Hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of This Mom Loves. It is the holiday tips edition. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a mom of two girls. I'm a kindergarten teacher, a writer, a blogger, TV guest, and podcaster. You are listening to episode 40 of the show. And today I'm doing a little bit of a different uh, format. I have four amazing experts who are here to share holiday advice in four different areas. So I have Karen Irwin of Rue Parenting, who is here with her holiday parenting tips. Then I have Dr. Sheila Wijayasingha here to talk all about holiday health. Lisa Orr of Orr Etiquette is offering tips for holiday etiquette. And then Clarity Coach Chelsea Montgomery is helping us with holiday stress. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. As any mom knows, the holidays can present a lot of different parenting challenges. And here to help us out with that is Karen Irwin of Rue Parenting with a lot of um, holiday parenting tips for us. Welcome, Karen. Yes, thanks so much for having me today. Before we dive into your holiday advice, can you just tell us first a little bit about Rue Parenting? What do you do? Yeah, so I am a child development and parenting expert, and I'm also the founder of Rue Parenting, which is a consulting service that supports parents as they raise their kids and go through all the ups and downs that come with raising their children. And, you know, I help out parents in the community. I do one-on-one support and also do a lot of work um, through corporate wellness benefit. So that's that's me and, and what I do. And then also, I think it's important to share I'm a mom to three kids under the age of eight. So I'm also living and breathing the parenting game every single minute and day. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, let's dive into your holiday advice for us. So the first tip that you have um, is practice gratitude. So how does that apply in the parenting world? Yeah, so I think that you know, over the holidays, of course, our children are receiving lots of gifts, uh, you know, tangible items, but also they're receiving lots of treats. They're also receiving lots of time and special time with, you know, their family members and friends. And so I think that that's a wonderful time for kids to understand the importance of being grateful for those things, all that delicious food, as well as those people and those those special moments. And so, you know, it's just a really great opportunity to, first of all, encourage our kids um, to say thank you and make sure they do that where they're looking people in the eye. Um, we know that when our kids practice things a lot, it becomes a habit. And so I I find, you know, over the holidays, there's lots of opportunities to practice. So maybe that will instill gratitude in them and then hopefully encourage them to do it year round. Um, But also, you know, there's lots of opportunities for parents to model gratitude because we know that uh, our parents are the best teachers for their children and they can lead their children and guide their children and teach their children through doing things themselves and their kids seeing those actions occurring. So parents modeling gratitude by, you know, first of all, thanking their children when their children do things around the house or when their children gives them a gift that they've purchased, thought about, created, whatever, but also have like make a conscious effort of like thanking people when you go over to their house and modeling that so that your children learn that's an important thing to practice themselves. Your next tip is to work on instilling positive manners. What are some ways that we can do this with our kids at holiday time? Yeah, so I think it's similar to um, one of the things I spoke about when I was talking about practice gratitude is, you know, the holidays are an amazing time to encourage our children to practice their manners because there's so many opportunities. But I think that the thing that's important to think about around this and the holidays is it's not just the pleases and thank yous, which of course are goals for parents to have their children do, but also, you know, there's so many opportunities that might not exist on the regular where kids can practice great manners, like greeting people when they come to their house, 
um, you know, like welcoming them and taking their, you know, coat and hanging it up and doing those sort of actions. Because again, if we are doing these things a lot and on a regular basis, it helps us practice it and maybe make it a habit and make it something that we're comfortable also doing on the regular. Um, But then also, like I said, we are, you know, going into other people's homes, visiting grandma, going to your aunts and uncles, doing all these um, activities. And um, I think that then that's another opportunity for our kids to learn how to thank people for having them over and, you know, say goodbye properly. And also there's going to be lots of opportunities to meet new people. And I think that's a great time for kids to practice introducing themselves and speaking up and saying hello, which is, you know, something that maybe on in the regular time of year, our kids don't have lots of opportunities doing because they're, you know, at their school and playing their sports and sort of around people who they know. So they don't have the natural opportunity to practice that skill of introducing themselves. One other thing that, um, you know, in addition to being the lots of opportunities to practice, I also think that there's lots of opportunities for parents to preview the expectations that they have for their kids to show positive manners. So on your way to the family function in the car, you know, say we're going to be going to Aunt Jenny's house and there's going to be tons of people there that we've maybe not seen in a while or maybe you've never met before. And so it would be great if when you interact with someone, you introduce yourself and look them in the eye and say your name um, and, you know, have your child practice that with you so they're comfortable and confident in doing it when they're in the moment at the party. Yeah, that's a great idea, sort of the the rehearsing things. And then what do you do in the moment with a kid who's kind of refusing? Because I mean, I know you know your own child best and there's kind of that line. Some kids do have social anxiety mm-hmm. and that's a whole different thing you're working with. But if kids are just kind of refusing and mm-hmm. I don't want to say goodbye, I don't want to, no, I'm not saying thank you, that sort of thing. How do you handle that? Because it's kind of like you have an audience and what's the best way to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, of course, we want to honor our kids, you know, wishes, and maybe they're tired, it's a long day, or they don't feel comfortable. But I think a great thing to do in those moments is provide them with two options. So you could say, you know, it's time for us to leave and go home. You can go up to Aunt Jenny and say goodbye and thank you. Or maybe at the door, you just, you know, give a wave. Um, So maybe that's something that your child would be more comfortable doing. But also when you provide them with two choices versus telling them what to do, you're not imposing the ideas on them, you're giving them some autonomy and some choice in the matter, which might encourage them to be more um, interested in actually doing the action. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. Your next tip is to teach kids about giving back. What are some ways we can do that? So of course we, we know that the holidays is a time when our kids are receiving. And so the one benefit to that, there are many benefits, but I mean, one benefit that we could use to help promote giving back is children are in the moment feeling the experience of receiving things and how that feels for them. And so we can change that and help them use those feelings to think about how them giving to others would, you know, promote those wonderful feelings that they're experiencing on someone else. Um, So that's the first thing, because we know that when kids are feeling something and it's tangible, they're much better able to, you know, relay that onto someone else um, because it's more concrete to them. Um, So, but then also, I think, too, you know, around the holidays, families are spending more time together. And one of the things that I think uh, is great is that creating family rituals around giving back. So maybe every year your family makes a point of donating food to the food bank, or maybe every year your family makes a point of sitting down and talking about a cause that's important um, to your family and then discussing the steps or the actions that they need to take to be able to make a meaningful difference to that cause. And, you know, creating almost a tradition or a ritual around this really makes it something your kids look forward to, something that your kids expect, which, you know, makes it something that they want to do and they start 
start to feel and recognize the impact that they're having on others, which then again will maybe translate into other times, you know, throughout the year. Um, So that's one thing that I always think about giving back. Also, I think that the important thing when we're teaching children about giving back is the actions or the activities that we're suggesting for them to do need to be meaningful to them so that it resonates and it's something they actually want to engage in. And a really great example for this is, you know, children often around the holidays make wish lists. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's grandparents or there's, you know, different people that are asking what they might like for the holidays. And so they are making these lists and that's great. We, we like, that's encouraging, like that's happening. So, okay. But then let's turn that into also a teachable moment where we then, after our kids make their wish list, we then say, okay, so now how about you make a list of what you think other people in your family might like to receive from you for the holidays? So again, it's a parallel and it's very concrete for them. So it's meaningful and something that they get and, and again, helps promote the feeling of giving back and sharing with others, not always being on the receiving end. Oh, one other thing that I also wanted to say that I think is a great meaningful action for young children is to encourage them to think about and thank. It's a great time to thank the community helpers in their community, like the garbage collector, the mail carrier, the crossing guard. And so I find that that's, again, a tangible thing that they can do that's meaningful, drawing a picture, writing a card, baking cookies, giving a gift card, whatever. Um, But it's the time of season when we're giving and receiving. And so it it makes sense to them. But then when they actually give something to the crossing guard and receive thanks for that, that makes them feel good um, and also models that gratitude that hopefully your child will practice later on throughout the holiday season. So important. And your final tip for parenting at holiday time is manage the inconsistent, so the lack of routines and structure that the holidays bring. This can be a really big one. So we need to know how can we how can we help with this? Yes. So of course, you know, there's um, altered sleep schedules and there's lots of different types of food and treats and different activities and, you know, times, you know, different change in the daily routine so that we can go to the party or whatever. And I think we we want to encourage our kids to do all that because it's special and those are when the memories are, are made and that's when the family traditions often start to develop. So I think it's important to do those things, but of course we need to have some strategy to help our kids manage because we don't want to, you know, be at the the family dinner and our kids are just like melting down and it's, you're just crying. They're just crying the whole time. That's not achieving any of those positive things. So the first thing is when children have well-established routines on sort of every other day of the, the week year, they are much better able to adapt when there is a change because they know that when this sort of change is over, they're going to go back to the regular consistency. So that's really important. And, you know, so establishing, you know, routines throughout the day now that your kids know about around maybe the morning, around maybe after school, around bedtime, and that consistency enables them to be able to adapt when they need to. The other thing, though, is previewing for our kids. So, if you're going to be going somewhere and maybe dinner is going to be at a different time or dinner is going to be different because there's going to be lots of people around there, sharing that information with your child enables them to be in control. And when kids feel in control, they can be more successful and they can manage better. The one tip, though, that I suggest for parents when they're previewing for their kids is to think about the things your children will experience through their senses. You know, what it might look like, what the sound might be. It might be really loud or, um, you know, what they might smell when they're there. You know, there's going to be lots of food cooking. So there's going to be like that. Those sort of things are meaningful to children. And then when they are in the space and they're experiencing what you you shared with them, they feel they're like, oh, okay, I this it might be a bit different than what I'm used to, but I can cope because I feel in control because I'm prepared. The final thing is travel. Um, So if you're leaving your house to go for a party, 
or if you're traveling on a plane or what, if you're going away from the comfort of your home to get involved in the holiday festivities, it's really important to take elements from home that you can that are almost like comfort objects. So for example, if your young child has a lovey or a special blanket or a pillow, bring that with you so that if you're going to have a nap on the go or have to put your kids down early, or they're just going to have to, you know, sit in your lap (laughs) while the dinner finishes, they have that item, which will help them feel calm and, you know, may even encourage them to sort of sleep in a different place, which would be a bonus as well. And then finally, I, I encourage parents to pick their battles when they are out in these environments. So, of course, we want our children to, you know, represent themselves as best as they can. But we also have to realize that, you know, it's different. There might be lots of cousins or there might be more treats or the meal might be distracting and it's hard for our kids to like sit for the whole length of time and, you know, have expectations. But maybe you have to be a little bit loose on some things and and that's okay. So pick the battles that are really important to you to maintain, but maybe some other things you can let go Um, and, and that will also help your child cope better because they're not always going to feel like they're being, you know, that they're having to deal with the rules and the overwhelming stimulation and all that that's going on. So much fantastic holiday parenting advice from Karen Irwin. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about Rue Parenting or follow you on social media? Yep. So you can follow me on social media at Rue Parenting, R-O-O Parenting. Um, I provide a tip every day uh, on Instagram that I hope promotes parenting and child development knowledge. So that's a really great resource. Also, I have a YouTube channel where I have videos on all different parenting topics. So another great place. Or you can find me online, www.rueparenting.com. Wonderful. Thanks again for being here, Karen. Happy holidays. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy holidays, everyone. My next guest is here to talk about such an important holiday-related topic, which is holiday health. So she is Dr. Sheila Wijayasingha. She is the family doctor at St. Michael's Hospital, as well as medical director of primary care outreach at Women's College Hospital. She's also a mom of two, including a five-week-old baby who is lying beside her right now while she takes time to do this. Thank you so much. Welcome, Sheila. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to chat. So you have some excellent advice about our health at the holidays. Number one, we've heard this many times, but I think it's so important to keep hearing it from the medical professionals, get a flu shot. Why is that so important? Yeah. So the flu shot's your best defense against the flu, which affects so many people, especially around this time of year. Um, And we're so busy during the holidays, right? Like we're going, we're traveling, we're on planes, we're on trains, we're in crowded areas. We're seeing lots of people at the same time. We're in shopping malls. And the flu can be transmitted very easily from one person to another. And the flu shot really is your best defense. It's it's uh, easy to get. It can, You can get it at your pharmacy. You can get it at your family doctor, your nurse practitioner. Uh, and it's safe. We know that it reduces the number of doctor visits and hospitalizations. Despite uh, our efforts to, to try to campaign for the flu vaccine, so many people still do get the flu, um, especially those are, who are vulnerable. Um, and we know that in Canada, there's there's a lot of people who get hospitalized, and there's about over 3,000 deaths a year from the flu. And so it's really important to, to consider this. Um, and it's easy to get, and the side effects are minimal, and it takes a couple of weeks for it to take effect. So we're coming up to the holiday season. So if you get it in the next little bit, you'll be covered for, for Christmas and, and get-togethers and any holiday time. And you cannot get the flu from the flu shot. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's a great question. It's one of the mo- most common questions that comes up. The flu is basically what they do is they take dead virus. So there isn't any active virus within the flu shot. Um, so you can't get it from it. it la- what happens is your body sees the flu, the virus parts, the components of it in the vaccine, and it launches an immune response so that you 
recognize the flu virus, but it's not actually the flu virus that we're giving you. So we can't give it to you. Some people say, well, I got the flu last year when I got the flu shot. And that's a a really interesting point. But the the issue is probably because it takes a couple of weeks for the flu shot to work. Um, Maybe you got a different virus. Maybe you got the flu during that time. You might get some some of the common side effects of the flu shot are you can feel a little bit under the weather for the first day because your body is launching that immune response. Um, but it's probably not the flu itself, Um, but the flu shot cannot give you the flu. And is there anyone who shouldn't get it? I mean, is it okay to get it if you're pregnant, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's actually very important to get it if you're pregnant because we recommend it for anyone over the age of six months. So if you are having a baby, as we just did, um, it's important to actually get your flu shot while you're pregnant so, so you can pass on your immune response, your antibodies against the flu to your new baby because they won't have protection because they aren't able to actually get the vaccine. Sorry, that was that was Miles. Uh, Thank you. Um, speaking of, um, you aren't able. Babies aren't able to get the flu shot until they are six months old, and so their protection comes from their family member. If you are breastfeeding or during pregnancy, it'll get passed on through in pregnancy the the antibodies. So it's really important because um, they're incredibly vulnerable at such a young age. Kids under the age of five. And individuals over the age of 65 are especially vulnerable to the flu. And so that's why we often like healthy young individuals um, tend to say, well, I don't need the flu shot because I'm healthy. But if you're ever around anybody who's of those ages, uh, you're actually protecting them by getting the flu shot. Your second piece of device, also something we hear a lot, wash hands. What do you want to add about that? Yeah, it's just a simple thing that sometimes or or just carry like a little um sanitize like a hand sanitizer with you when you're out and about especially if you're on public transit if you're traveling um in airports or in shopping malls it's a good idea just to have something um with at least 60 percent alcohol is the is the the sweet spot to make sure that you're actually covering yourself against the the viruses and bacteria that are commonly spread um, and wash your hands often um just to keep the virus from spreading. And you can also think of like extension of washing hands, the surfaces that we, if you're around people who are sick, surfaces can care, like hold onto the virus or the virus can survive on surfaces for up 24 to 48 hours. So you want to um, clean those surfaces down if you have somebody, if you're exposed to somebody who has the virus, if you have the vir- a virus, um, just sort of keeping things clean will help minimize that, minimize that spread. And are you okay with kids using hand sanitizers when washing hands isn't an option? It's not, it's not, it's ideally washing hands would be the best thing, but hand sanitizer on kids is okay. Just, I would do it under supervision just so that they're not drinking it. Yes. And, and <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, kids are super, super spreaders. They're called, like it's a term that we use with kids because they touch everything. They lick things, they share all their toys and, and they're really um, prone to getting sick and spreading it. So it is important to actually try to emphasize the hand washing with your kids too. I teach kindergarten. Believe me, I know all of that. Yes, you're at high risk actually because they're always <laughs> everything. So your next one is don't skip exercise. That can be so hard at holiday time. So what do you recommend there to make sure we still get moving? Well, I think there's a couple of things that I, what I suggest to my patients is just as like, just similar to how you would schedule in um, your visits with your friends and family, um, Schedule in your your exercise as well. So make it a priority during during the holidays. The holidays can be very stressful for different reasons. Um, you're traveling. You're seeing people that might cause some stress. Um, we're eating a little bit more often during the holiday times, and so exercise is a really important piece. Um, so schedule it in just as you would schedule anything else. And maybe you could even um, enlist some of your friends or family to do it with you or by distance. So my girlfriends and I, I'm from Edmonton originally, and so a lot of my friends live there. We'll do a little like challenge to each other, especially during times that are super busy during the year, not just during the holidays, but especially during the holidays. It really helps just to say, let's do it together. We, when we get together, when we travel back home, we'll, we'll exercise together as kind of like our outing, um, as something that's really positive to do together. And then we, we feel better. And, it, and exercising improves your immune system. It helps you sleep better. It's another way of keeping healthy during the very busy holiday time. And even if you're not, you know, physically with other people, I know a lot of people like to do the Fitbit challenges or things like that, yeah. where you're kind of remotely connecting with other friends, if that sort of thing helps motivate you. So yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, totally. And getting out and doing something a little bit different can be fun during the holidays. So taking a walk somewhere that might be different. It's hard, you know, 
when it gets colder uh, to get outside. But once you bundle up, even just going for like a 15, 20 minute walk makes a really big difference to how you're feeling. Your fourth tip is that we should set boundaries and limits at holiday time. So what do you mean exactly and how does that connect to health? I think health encompasses not just your physical health, but your mental health as well. And during the holiday time, there's a lot of pressure to do a lot. So there's a lot of pressure to cook a lot of different foods, to to entertain in, in a perfect way, to set the perfect table, you know, in the realm of like social media, and we're sort of displaying our lives in ways that that appears appear really perfect, but there's a lot of pressure to keep that up and keep up appearances. Um, but the truth is, is that it's really important to set boundaries for yourself to know, you know, the most important thing about the holidays is often to get some rest and relaxation, to see people who are important to you. Um, but there are also pressures to see people who maybe cause more stress. And I think that the holidays can actually trigger a lot of anxiety and worry and sleeplessness because we're seeing people who maybe cause more stressed and we have to see them because it's the holidays. And I think it's okay to give yourself permission to figure out how to set boundaries around that. So maybe it's seeing people um, at a certain time of time, like a time limited amount of time so that it doesn't extend too long. There's different ways. Everyone's circumstance is very different, but I think it's just important as a reminder to say, it's okay if, if I don't see this person this time around, or it's okay if I set a limit of I'll see them for an hour and that's what it is. Or we'll go do something with other people just to dilute it a little mm-hmm. bit. There's different ways of doing that. Um, and it's okay to do that. So I think it's important to protect yourself during the holidays because it can, there's so much pressure that it's a happy time, but it can also be a very difficult time for, for many people. And I think that's important to recognize and, and find ways of getting health and an extent health and an extension of that is, if it is a difficult time, figure out the ways of protecting yourself during this difficult time. So if the holidays remind you, people who have gone through recent losses or even long-term losses of, of a loved one, the holidays can bring up a lot of sad emotions. So it can be an opportunity to sit down, talk to somebody, get that support in place in preparation for the holidays as well. I like how you mentioned social media too, because I feel like even some limits might be, I don't need to have the perfect picture for Instagram, you know, for whatever it is that we're doing today, we can just enjoy it. And it doesn't have to necessarily become this thing that goes out there on social media. So that's... No, exactly. We tend to really focus on that a lot, understandably, that's sort of how the world's working right now. But we know in the interesting, these there's so many studies that come out, have been coming out about social media and the impact upon our me- mental health, especially in our younger younger population so in our teenage years and young adult years social media plays a huge role in our mental health and if we recognize that and sort of just go you know an imperfect holiday time an imperfect um christmas or whatever it is that you celebrate is actually quite normal <laughs> and and uh it doesn't need to be overly filtered um and really i think the important thing is sort of really setting those priorities of what is important to you during this time um, and, 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 and set those limits and maybe taking a social media break is another option, right? To, to take a little bit of time away from it. Um, there's functions I just discovered on my phone that you can set a time limit on your social media work. Uh, and it's really interesting. It actually gives you a reminder of, okay, your hour is up now. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things that you can put into place just to help you out. And your last piece of advice, another excellent one, though I don't think everybody wants to hear this, partake <laughs> in moderation. So tell us, what is moderation? So I think it's important to celebrate and to enjoy the holidays. And we tend to sometimes overindulge because it is the holidays you're with people that um, that you care about. You may be with people who stress you out, so that might be why you actually eat a little bit more or drink a little bit more. And it's important to recognize that this time can be vulnerable for overeating, for over over drinking, um, alcohol, and other things um, alike. So set a plan for yourself. So if you know that you're going for dinner in the evening, think ahead and think, okay, what am I going to eat? That's not always easy to do, but if you set a plan and you kind of have an idea in your mind of what that will be, some people will, sometimes I suggest if it's easier, maybe have like a snack before you go to like a nibbling party, because you, if you fill up a little bit beforehand with something a little bit healthier, you're less likely to eat something um, or overindulge later on. One one person suggested to me once, you know, set one day of the holidays where you actually do overindulge and that's your day. And then the rest is sort of your, your moderation days. And so you have to figure out what works for you and what's realistic. Everyone's 
um, response to food and alcohol is different, but partaking in moderation will help you feel better. You'll feel less full, you'll sleep better and you'll be rested as well. So I think um, that's basically what I, I usually suggest. It's easier said than done because <laughs> um, it's sort of our excuse is that we're all together. And I totally understand that because I over, I overindulge myself often, um, but it's uh it's always something afterwards that we, we think about. So so if you can think ahead and plan ahead, I, I think that would be helpful. And then just think of what you want to allow yourself and go from there. And just because we may have read a study that red wine is good for us or that dark chocolate is good, it still doesn't right. mean that you need to overindulge in any one of those things. In moderation, right? Yeah. So that's a great point. There's a lot of these, there's, there are health benefits of, of these different foods that we eat, um, but it's all in moderation. So a glass or two is okay. A bottle is probably too much. Uh, and then we tip, in, tip into the, to the side where it's not, it's not healthy, healthy for you. We're, we're going into the unhealthy side of things. So it is an important thing and it's hard to do, but it, it is, it's, uh, it's, it's possible if you think ahead. Wonderful advice to help us keep healthy throughout the holiday season from Dr. Sheila Wajayasingha. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And we interrupt all of this fantastic holiday advice with a reminder that if you are looking for me on the web, you can find me on social media on Twitter and Facebook at This Mom Loves and on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. Please do feel free to, uh, to reach out. Tell me what you liked about this episode, maybe some holiday tips that resonated with you. Maybe you have your own holiday tips to share and I would love to pass those along as well. My website is thismomloves.ca. There are links there to pages with um, TV appearances, published work. You've got my blog, and there's also a link to all of the episodes of my podcast if you want to catch up. And again, this one is episode 40. My next guest is Lisa Orr. She is the founder of Orr Etiquette and appropriately here to talk to us about holiday etiquette. And I'm so excited to have her here today. She's someone I have become friends with through media and social media, and she's always got excellent advice to give. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Always nice to reconnect. First of all, can you just tell us what is Orr Etiquette? What do you do? So um, it has quite a fancy title that I'm, I'm an etiquette and protocol consulting company. But what I really do day to day is I work with uh, a variety of schools and individuals and businesses, helping them manage um, either etiquette education. So working with university students, prepping them in kind of traditional etiquette topics, working in workplaces around uh, etiquette in a workplace, and then also working with um, school children around kind of the, the common elements of social etiquette and just how to get along. So depending on my audience, uh, it, it, really, it really varies. But in the end, it's always about teaching people how to show respect through their behavior. So important, and that's so great that you reach out to all those different audiences. And at holiday time, it's definitely a time we want to think about that etiquette. And you've got some excellent pieces of advice for us. So I'm going to jump right in with your first one, which is only say yes if you mean it. Tell me about that. Well, so in my experience, during the holiday season, people try desperately to cram kind of a, at least a year's worth, if not a decade's worth of socializing into a few weeks. Um, we don't want anyone to feel less than, so we say yes to everything. But then what inevitably happens is that there's only so many hours a day, there's only so many nights in the season, and so we end up having to cancel. And um, as someone who's hosted events, um, and I'm sure you've been in this situation as a host, the worst thing is you're counting on someone to come and they cancel last minute just because they kind of didn't manage their scheduling and you're and you had them in your list and you kind of had them in your mix and you had a sense that they could be part of that event so it, it really is a it's not a great feeling for their host when they have guests cancel last minute um, and so I think in order to be sensitive to people who've invited you to events it's always better to only say yes if you're actually planning to attend because I've, I see it all the time that people say well I'm going to say yes to all these things and then I'll see what I can make work in the end and I'll go to this party for 15 minutes and this party to 15 minutes it's, but it's not not really connecting with people, and so my preference is during it's a short season. Pick a pick a few parties. Really make a point of connecting. I mean, you can be strategic and finding the ways that you're going to connect with people. And then there's all these months that come after the holiday season, 
intentionally say, I, you know, I can't make it to your party, but I'd love to reconnect for coffee in January. And then that way you're still focusing on the relationship, but you haven't inconvenienced your host and you haven't set yourself an unreasonable schedule for the holiday season, which can be hectic enough. Is it okay if you want to maybe hit a couple of parties in an evening? Is that rude to your host or hostess if you're, you know, stopping in one place for a bit and going to somewhere else? So I think, I think like two is reasonable. Um, in three, maybe. I mean, it depends on how, how late your evening is. I always think, I mean, I, I've done it myself where there was a party that started at 5.30 and I knew that that was an early party and there was another one that started at 7. So if your schedules line up and you know, okay, well, these guys start early and finish early and these guys start late and go late, then really, if you can put it together like kind of two separate parties, then I think it's okay. As long as you have enough time to actually connect with people at that party. But if you're going to be running from one to the next and stressed about, I have to get out of this one to get to the next one. So because sometimes people, I don't know if you've seen, I've, I've had, I have friends who are very committed to getting to all of them. And so they'll come in like, I'm here, I've got my 15 minutes. And so you sort of feel on the clock as a host and then the other guests are like, so I guess uh, recap in 30 seconds or less. So it, it ends up feeling very rushed and you don't feel that important as a guest or a host. So um, I say, absolutely, you can, I mean, using best if if you can attend both and make everyone feel good about it then totally but you know i think two maybe three is a max um but you know as i've I've seen people do five or six which that's where you've you've crossed into kind of some bizarre um party hopping land so that's it yes Yes. so there's a limit Okay, fair enough. Your next tip, so important. I mean, when we're talking about people with different holiday practices, different faiths, cultures, be inclusive. How can we strive to do that? So this one's really important to me because I feel like it's so easy. It's so easy to be inclusive if you're a little bit mindful. Um, So uh, our family, we celebrate Christmas. Um, We're actually celebrating the secular Christmas, but we celebrate Christmas. And... um, but I have family members who celebrate different holidays. I have family members who don't celebrate, who who are who are atheists. I have family members, so I have friends in all these different camps, and um, obviously they're all important people to me in my life. And so, um, about I think seven years ago, I changed my holiday cards to say Happy Holidays, and I'm really specific mm-hmm. in my language around using that those words. And I and I got a, I got a lot of pushback. And this, I mean, everyone has their own strategy um, around this. But the reason I do it is because. I'm. I'm not just saying. I'm saying it, it's this. It, using that kind of more inclusive language allows me to acknowledge that I'm celebrating a holiday, but it also, you know, if it's sitting on their mantelpiece, it, it includes their holiday too. Um, so that's that's sort of the direction I've gone. And I actually got a lot of pushback from family members who said, "Well, you don't, you know, you don't celebrate all the holidays, so you know how how." You know, is it should you say happy holidays in your cards? But my, I feel like a little. It's um taking that step to show that you're inclusive is is so important in terms of how you build your community and how you build your tribe around you. And I just feel like um, it's a small thing to, uh, but it's, but it's a big thing. And, and um, so in the way that you communicate and the way that, so, you know, when I, when I wish people happy holidays, I do wish people happy holidays because I don't know necessarily I can, I, mean, I don't know what holidays everyone celebrates. I mean, my, there's no way I can keep track of all of that because there's so many holidays. So yes. um, I feel like b- being inclusive that way, it's, I mean, it, it recognizes that it is a festive time of year. And, um, and by using that inclusive language, it's amazing how many great conversations you have around what people are celebrating, what they aren't celebrating. Um, Whereas if you're narrow in your language, it makes it, it makes it more challenging. Excellent. Your next tip is when possible, prep early. Tell me what you mean by that one. So and I, I, said, I, I, I do my best with this. And I, I, I'd say I get 50% prep early and then 50% not so successful on that. <laughs> but it, it's always my goal. Every year I try, I try desperately to get close because, um, so what I mean by prep early is, the best way to be successful in terms of your, in terms of how you interact with people, your, so making sure you have, car, you know, holiday cards that you have, um, that you have scheduled your holiday parties well, that you that you're able to kind of manage that, that you're you are a good guest, is to plan and prep early. So have a sense of. Um, of of what kind of meals you're going to have, how you're going to coordinate with family and friends during the holiday. If there are gifts you can buy, buy them early. Um, 
if you can anything that you can schedule in the in the earlier side of so you can sort of extend what your holiday festive season is. Uh, so, for example, um, I have a, a group of women that I get together with, and we've started our festive season at the sort of in the last week of November, so that we we have more leeway, so that we're not cr- sort of trying to cram everything into a very narrow window. Uh, so, I think finding ways to prepare for the upcoming chaos because the reality is the holiday season is a, is very busy there are so many wonderful things happening um and then we sort of but what often inevitably happens is 10 things happen that we didn't plan for and then the time that we'd allowed for the things we we're going to do around perhaps holiday shopping or getting a hostess gift or sending thank you cards that time disappears because things show up in our schedule so um Preparing preparing hostess gifts or preparing thank you notes in advance, if you know you can, is a great way to make sure that you are uh, ready for that season and so that you don't get behind on anything. One thing I'm noticing too, I don't do a ton of hosting, but when I do, it seems to be a lot now um, people with you know food allergies, food intolerances, that sort of thing. And again, prepping yes. early is really helpful for that too. If you want to be a good hostess, kind of knowing what your guests can and can't eat and trying to have different options and that sort of thing. That's something that's kind of come to mind with extended family members with different you know dietary things going on. Absolutely. Because then you, if you know in advance, then you can make sure you've shopped versus if they arrive and you do not have you know, whatever special thing they need, then it, you know, then you get, you're kind of in that awkward situation. I mean, I, I, for example, like I set my holiday table two weeks before, um, but two weeks before our holiday dinner. So we, we, I'm anything that I can, I, I try and wrap everything that I need to wrap. Uh, hostess gifts will be packaged. I have my labels for my holiday cards. They're already printed. So I mean, my holiday cards haven't arrived, but I've printed my labels. So I'm, I've like, I'm a little behind on one, but because I'm ahead on the other, I'll, I'm, I can make it all work. So that's what I mean about prepping early. And there are things that you can. So sometimes you can't prep everything, but whatever you can get to, if you get to it, it makes your life so much easier. How early did you just say that you set the table? Two weeks. Two weeks. Oh my goodness. So You've got maybe for prep there, Lisa. <laughs> no, because that's, so that's a funny one. It's because um, we, we, have a, we have a dining room, which is kind of, because we have just the nature of our house, we have a dining room. And we don't, we usually eat in there every we kind of make sure we sit down for kind of a Sunday dinner um, uh, or, I mean, maybe twice a week, but for sure always a Sunday dinner. And so because during the holidays it's so busy, we don't have Sunday dinner during that time of the year. So that's how come I can set my dining table two weeks ahead. And then I get the kids into it. So like they, they, they're really into napkin folding. So they do all the napkins and then they do place cards. And so by doing that early, if I tried to do it closer to the holidays, which is actually an event. Uh, there's no way I could get them to do all of that. But in the lead up, the kids are super keen to kind of do beautiful menus and lovely cards and, and set up it the day before I'd have, I'd have no chance. So that's part of it too. Perfect. Your next piece of advice, and I know this is something that you are great at, have a signature hostess gift. Give us some ideas here. Yeah. So, and I learned about this from uh, a colleague who works in protocol, and it was actually a strategy his mother used, which I and I and I so I stole it. So I loved it, and it was so good um, because so wh- one way to go right, go about hostess gifts is to find something very specific for your host, which can be really really difficult because um, you know what color flowers do they like? What 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 style of flowers do they like? Flowers do they want? Do, or what kind of can you send a fruit basket or chocolates or what kind of things? So it gets when you're trying to make it custom to each individual host, it can be a little overwhelming, um, especially during the holidays when you may be attending multiple different events. However, if you flip it on its head and you say, "I as the guest have my signature gift," um, then it's easy and you can literally pull things out of your hostess gift cupboard and yeah. and you've got your bags and you're all ready to go. So um, so things that I like, um, so great candles uh, are are ideal. Um, I like I like teas. I've I've used those quite a bit um, because they're so often if there are things that even if there's something the host doesn't use, there's something that they can serve. Um, but I do mm-hmm. like consumable items, so things that aren't um, bowl like a bowl or something that people have to use and keep in their home because everyone has different aesthetics within their home um ironically the case that i the the woman who inspired the story actually gave everyone the same crystal um i think it was a it was a crystal tea light holder it was beautiful it was this crystal she had this kind of crystal connection um so i mean i wouldn't have gone with something as as big as a physical but but she'd done it kind of in uh, you know kind of 30 years ago where it was more it was it was 
more normal to give someone a, like an object like that where people didn't have there wasn't such variety in design aesthetic um but uh but yeah so i like things that are consumable things that are i mean allergy free is really important too so being mindful around um you know that making sure that it, you know it's not like i avoid giving people gifts with nuts as an example just because i don't yes. know necessarily what i'm getting into around so I avoid kind of highly allergic, but if I am going to give a food-based gift, I avoid anything that has major allergens in it. Um, and then there's, you know, you can always get like lovely hand creams are always great. Uh, so those kind of small things that are, and you can literally have them sitting in your, in your cupboard ready to go. Um, I mean, people also, you can do the same thing if you always bring a bottle of wine to your, so I like to bring both. I like to bring a little, like a tiny hostess gift and my bottle of wine. Um, just so there's something special because the wine often kind of goes into the mix, but um, but a little hostess gift is something special just for the host. But I do the same thing with wine. So I buy whatever that year is. I buy a few cases of my favorite of the one that I want to give to people. I buy the same identical gift bag, and literally I go to the case, I put the bottle of wine in, and out I go. So it's um, so you can do the same thing if you give people wine when you go to a party. Um, and it sounds a little silly, but I don't know if you've ever been had that moment where you're walking through liquor store trying to decide, oh, now what should I get for, you know, for this party, for this host? And you spend that 15 minutes trying to decide every time. It's way easier just to pick a case and and then you're ready for the rest of the holidays. Well, and I love you mentioning the consumable nature of the thing, of these things too, because I've been doing a lot yes. of reading lately on minimalism and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, even etiquette aside, that sort yes. of thing is, you know, it's enjoyed, it's gone, it's not stuff, it's not clutter, it's not, you know, and like you said, different design aesthetics and all of that sort of thing. You just never quite know what a person might like. But some of those things, like if they don't like that particular wine, it's still something they can serve to, you know, guests or whatever. And yes. uh, and it doesn't go to waste, really. So the, the thought really gets where it needs to go. So great advice there. And the, the, other, the other thing that's nice about those kind of little things is they're also highly re-giftable. So if someone doesn't love the thing that you gave them, it's very easy for them to, as long as you haven't made it super, super signature, it's really easy for them to re-gift if they were kind of having that hostess gift moment. So that's, that's a, yes. it's a bit of a kindness that you're doing to that host as well. Yes. And you know what? And another time I should have you on and let's talk more about re-gifting, but that's not the focus right now. So yes, I want no, to absolutely. go back to the holiday etiquette. So your last tip, and it seems obvious, but I want you to kind of walk us through uh, some more of the details here. Don't forget to mm -hmm. say thank you. So this is more, um, it, it happens, it happens to all of us. We get very busy during the holidays and we go to a party and we realize three days later, did I send a thank you note? Did I email him or her and let them know? So the, what, what I mean by don't forget to say thank you is schedule time because if you don't schedule it, it doesn't happen. Schedule time to say thank you. I had um, a friend who lived in Atlanta and she used to keep physically physical thank you notes in her bag. I mean, this is a while ago, but um, I still keep physical thank you notes in my bag because of her. Um, that, so she would, every time she left a party, she would write the thank you note and go back and put it in the door before she left. Because she was convinced, she's like, if I don't put it in the, thank you, in the door right now, I will forget. So, yes. I mean, it was an aggressive tactic, but it worked and she always had her thank you notes. So I think it's scheduling the time and it's, a, you know, if, you, if you're a physical thank you note writer, if you keep them in your bag, you can literally be sitting in the car as you leave the party, write your thank you note, put a stamp on it, put it in the post box and it's now you're done. Or you can write your email, draft it, and then send the thank you note as soon as you get home. So I think making sure that you schedule that time because uh, hosts do go to a lot of trouble. And the whole point was to reconnect, uh, celebrating together. And so when you miss out on sending a thank you note, you miss out on kind of closing the loop on that reconnection. And it's, you've, you know, you've already done so much work to be a great guest and to build that connection that if you miss that piece of the loop, you really miss an opportunity. And depending on the host, it can actually be quite negative. So I always think it's really important to do that one, sort of close the loop that way. And, and it's, and then they know that you've appreciated it. And you've got that last point of reconnection that lets you continue to build on your relationship in the next year. So emails and texts are okay options for that? Absolutely. I am. Um, it really, to me, uh, you know, there's some more traditional uh, etiquette professionals who believe very strongly in um, that snail mail is the only way to go. And I just think the reality is we communicate in these in a variety of ways. Uh, so my my rule of thumb is, however, I was communicated with in the initial invitation that it's totally reasonable for me to communicate back in that way. 
So, I mean, so if I've received an email invitation, I can absolutely reply back to them in email because they've set, they've set the, the bar for how we're communicating. So if my, they've sent me a text and it, and it also, if your relationship is one. So I have, um, I have, a, I have lots of, I have quite a few friends for sh- that, um, text is our main form of communication. And so I would, I would text them and say, thank you, because that's what they're going to read. And if I send them an email, they're going to be irritated or, or I might even use a different messaging provider, depending. I have some friends who are, um, from my MBA program who are in their twenties and they have, we use, I use different messaging software to touch, talk to them altogether. So, uh, so it really depends on however they communicate with you. They've now set the bar, you go back to them that way. So it's, 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 it's really more about the message than about the medium. Excellent. Thank you so much for this fantastic advice, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the conversation. It's always a treat to chat with you. So how can people find you if they want more information or they want to reach out? Absolutely. So I have, uh, I have a website. So it's um, oretiquette.com. So O-R-R, then etiquette.com. Uh, or uh, all my social media handles are the same. They're at or etiquette. So um, either of those ways, easy to track down. So I love, love to connect. And now that I know you celebrate Christmas, and I do as well, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Kate. And now it is time for me to introduce my guest, Chelsea Montgomery. Chelsea is a clarity coach, and she has kindly agreed to be here to share her tips for holiday stress. And I'm so happy to have her with us. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me, Kate. I'm very excited to be here. Great. So first of all, could you just let my listeners know, what is a Clarity Coach? What do you do exactly? So I work with my clients. Many of them are women. Majority of them are women on developing clarity in their life, not only in their professional lives, but also their day-to-day personal lives. So getting very clear on their purpose, what motivates them, and clear on the path is to which how they would like to move forward so that they're getting what they really want from their life. Fascinating. Okay, so you have some excellent advice for us about dealing with holiday stress. And your first tip is to acknowledge how we actually feel about the holidays and all the things that are coming up between now and and in the new year. So give us some idea of what you mean by that. I think when we go into the holiday season, there's so much excitement. Um, There's so many memories tied to the holidays as well, right? You're it's always easy to look back into our past with nostalgia, be that our childhood or that first Christmas with your family. Um, and But there's also a lot of baggage that comes with it. So I think the first thing that you have to do to really tackle the impending stress, any of that, is to acknowledge how you feel about the holidays. Are you genuinely excited? Or do you just feel pressure to feel that excitement to... Or, as I said, if there's a loss in the family, um, that happens a lot. I know in my own family, the first holiday season after my grandfather passed away, it was required a bit of a shift in acknowledging what the holidays have looked like in the past and seeing them for what they are and what you want to do going forward. That's great. And your next tip is to get the to-do list and schedule out of your head onto paper. So tell us some some tips for getting ourselves organized that way. This is key, I would say, to anything in life. Um, All too often, we just have our to-do list running in our head and we think, oh, one or two things. Uh, I don't need to write this down. It's on my mind. But the more that you keep it in your mind, it's as if your brain's like, oh, no, I don't want to forget this. So we just keep on. (laughs) It's like that laugh. It's like that track, right? Little hamster wheel. that's just like running and running and running, which can create feelings of anxiousness in ourselves because we never just stop and let it out. So there's I do this with my clients with anything where it's like whatever is in your mind, I need you to do a brain dump. So I want you to get out all of the to-do lists, all of the dates of things that you feel like you need to do. So like the formal dates for the Christmas parties, um, if you have children, the dates for like maybe their class Christmas party or even at local events that you're like, I really like to go to the tree lighting. I really want to go to the Santa Claus parade. Get all the dates in the to-do list out on paper so you can see them. Um, once you have this, the second step, which I think is the most important, but yet the hardest thing to do, 
is look at that to-do list and all and decide what are must-dos, what are I would like to do, and just start crossing off the things that you just don't want to do. And maybe you don't need to make those shortbread cookies because really your kids don't enjoy them anyway. So why are you doing it? And it's a mess and just a stress. Um, me and my dear friends, one thing, uh, when we were younger, we always did cookie exchanges, which was really easy to do when none of us had children or anything like that. But over the years, as it's evolved, we call it our no cookie exchange cookie exchange because it was just <laughs> getting too much of a burden for them to make the cookies while having their little ones. So we, But we love the part of coming together as a community, just the group of us and having our time with friends. So just adapting things that way. So get the cookie... <laughs> Yeah, get the cookie, but get your to-do list outside of your brain on the paper and decide what are the have-to-dos, the like-to-dos, and cross off the rest. That's great. I know my girls are older now, so they can really articulate what they care about at Christmas time. So for the last few years, I've asked them about traditions and said, okay, what ones do you really like? Like, what are the ones you want to keep? And there are certain things that are like non-negotiable for them, but then there were other things where they were like, meh, not a big deal. And so I realized, okay, I can just get rid of all those things. So that's a great idea. Get rid of the stuff you don't really need to do. And exactly just what you said, like by communicating with your girls, and this is something also I, I recommend to people all the time, be that in the professional space, like maybe with your staff, that Christmas party, like that group Christmas party of your team is just way too stressful. And you guys would all would rather do something at another time or maybe just make it a breakfast instead of a dinner. Really do not assume that things have to be the way that they were just because that's mm-hmm. the way they've always been. And once you have an open communication, be that with yourself or others, you really unburden yourself of so much unneeded pressure. Absolutely. Okay. I love your next tip and it's not something I've done before and I think I'm going to try it this year. Set a holiday 2019 intention. And make it your goal and your go-to mantra throughout the season. Talk about that. Yes, this is key. And it's something that I've done for myself for the past couple of years, just as I'm newly married and me and my partner having our holiday plans shift. And I just felt like my holidays were so different year to year and they weren't what I had been used to growing up and such. Um, So... What I want everybody to do is, as you said, set a holiday intention and make it your go-to mantra. So this year, what I decided my holiday intention is, is gratitude. I really want to focus on my expression of gratitude. So however this may apply. This goal can be applied to everything I do this season. It means for me, I must be more present with my loved ones. So putting down my phone, being forgiving of others and some of their behaviors that could annoy me. And it also means I've looked for other ways I can be in service to others through volunteering either my time or money. Finally, in order for me to be more generous with my expressions of gratitude, it means I need to take care of me this holiday season. So I'm a half-rate version of myself if I'm exhausted and cranky. Yeah. So being addressing that so I can show up as my best self through an expression of gratitude for the little things and the big things. But whenever I, I feel myself getting into a rut or getting more Scrooge than I would like to be this holiday season, repeating to myself, my intention is gratitude. How can I see this situation, the immediate situation through this lens? And what can I shift in my own mindset and behavior to show up as the most grateful version of myself? Okay. I'm going to tell you the one I came up with and you can tell me what you think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Peace and joy. Peace and joy, peace and joy. How does that sound? Oh, I love it because the peace also, I think the holidays are stressful. So if you're always tuning back into just that word of peace, it's a bit of, that's like the exhale of like, okay. And then the joy is the inhale of the moment of the season. I like that. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, no, the peace and joy. So it's just like inhale the joy and exhale peace and you're on your way. And I just figure whatever we're planning, kind of like what you were talking about, what needs to be on the list and all of that, if it's not bringing anybody peace or joy, then it's not fitting in with our holiday 2019. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And it's one of those things that you can, if you, for anybody listening and for yourself, like you can decide like to communicate if you have young children like this is the intention this year and then it'll be I think it's amazing to see especially with kids when we work with words um, with mantras and intention they are so creative at seeing different ways to express it right and that and that's one of the true joys of the holiday season I think is seeing those seeing them through the eyes of children right and then your next tip is self-care. So we're so busy. There's so much going on. We're focusing on others. So how do you think we can bring a little self-care into our lives in the holiday season? So I would love everybody to take this mindset shift that I do with all my clients. And that is selfishness is not putting yourself first. Selfishness is expecting others to do so. And I think that is a trap that especially as women, we fall into in at the holidays when there's just so much more on our plate and we're doing this and this and this and this. And then we kind of get annoyed because we're burned out and then person A, B and C didn't do their part. And well, why couldn't they have taken care of me? And it's just a bad trap that we fall into. So self-care at all ends of the spectrum is so important And you need to put it into your schedule the way you would put in some of those must-dos from tip number two, right? You need Mm -hmm. to schedule the 20-minute bubble bath after work if that's what you need. Um, You need to schedule that evening of Hallmark movies or that alone time that you need to check into yourself. So that's I would put on like the more planning needed self-care rich um, techniques but you also need to figure out what the little self-care techniques are is it just getting yourself a holiday coffee and taking the time to actually sit in the coffee shop to enjoy it not just take it on or take it with you as you do your holiday shopping is it doing a couple minutes of meditation in the car before you go in to deal with the crazy crowds so <laughs> kind of work out what your little go-to micro moments of self-care can be so that it's like your little toolbox that when you start to feel yourself become overwhelmed, you implement the self-care and then you go back to your holiday intention. And then it's just setting yourself up for success, but also taking care of yourself from a place of love. I really appreciate how your last tip is very forward thinking. So we know the holiday season is going to come to an end, but you've got ideas to uh, to keep us less stressed moving forward. Tell me about that. Well, all thing, all great things come to the end. And as much as we've been talking about the stressful parts of the holidays, the holidays really are a special time. It's why you kind of feel that excitement in the air at the end of November. And the at the end, after December 31st, sometime after all the decor has gone away, you do feel a little down. There's like those January blues, especially mm-hmm. here in Canada with all the snow and you just oh, had yes. all this excitement and planning and looking forward to things and it's a little bit of like, uh, now what? So what I tell people, especially when you're looking at the, your schedule in December, and I do this with myself. See if there are things that can be moved into January so you can extend your holiday season a little bit more, but then you also have something to look forward to. So this may be your, if you wanted to do a quick dinner with your neighbors or something, instead of the stress of trying to plan that in the month of December, which only has 31 days, but (laughs) a million things to do. What if you did at the end of the first week of January? something to look forward to, but it's also a less stressful time. So reevaluate your schedule, reevaluate that list and see what can be moved into January. So many holiday events um, within the within communities go until the end of the first week or second week of January. So see what you can move around. 
That is a great idea. Chelsea, where can people find you if they want to find out more about what you do or follow you? Well, I'm always on Instagram, so you can find me at underscore Chelsea Montgomery, and my name is spelled C-H-E-L-S-E-A. Montgomery is M-O-N-T-G-O-M-E-R-Y. Or I'm also you can find me on my website, which is www.chelsea-montgomery.com. Um, but I would love to reach out with your audience. They can definitely shoot me a DM or if they have any more specific questions about any of these holiday tips or something related to a more specific situation, let me know and I'd love to be there as a support for them. Fantastic. There's a lot of advice there I'm going to take, which means you had great tips. So thank you so much for being here, Chelsea, and happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to you and to everybody listening. Thank you for inviting me on. And that brings us to the end of this special holiday edition of This Mom Loves. Thank you so much to my guests, Karen Irwin, Dr. Sheila Wajayasingha, Lisa Orr, and Chelsea Montgomery for being here. Thank you to my fantastic editor, Lucas Wojcicki's, for always doing such a great job with the podcast. And thank you, all of you, for listening. As always, I would encourage you, if you enjoy the show, to please rate or review it wherever you listen or just tell a friend through social media or just at the water cooler let somebody know if you enjoy the show that's how the word gets spread and people can find it and I really really do appreciate that I will be back with another episode before the holidays are officially upon us but I do have a quote I want to share with you to wrap up today's episode as Christmas approaches we always make it a priority to talk to our children or you know in my case at school as both students about the importance of giving but there's a really neat quote from um, Henry Nguyen about receiving that I would like to leave you with today receiving is often harder than giving giving is very important giving insight giving hope giving courage giving advice giving support giving money and most of all giving ourselves without giving there is no brotherhood or sisterhood But receiving is just as important because by receiving, we reveal to givers that they have gifts to offer. When we say, thank you, you gave me hope. Thank you, you gave me a reason to live. Thank you, you allow me to realize my dream. We make givers aware of their unique and precious gifts. Sometimes it is only in the eyes of the receivers that givers discover their gifts. Happy holidays, until next time.